This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This is Talking Devils, your favourite Manchester United podcast. I'm your host, Wayne Barton, joined by the legendary former Manchester United defender, Paul Parker. Paul, how are you doing this week? I'm all right, Wayne, thank you very much. I think it's the um, the longer nights and the lighter mornings, do you know what I mean? It's just that sort of, and everything sort of getting, looking like it's getting back to normal, touch wood. It's just a cheerier mood. Also helped, obviously, by United's um, form at, yeah. the, at the moment. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely is different out there now. Even this morning, you go out, and okay, the roads ain't busy in the mornings because all, the, because of maybe because of people still with work and everything. But even I noticed last night when I was out driving and coming out of London last night, there's definitely traffic back, and yeah, and it's still horrible to drive in London. Yeah. It's just, you know, you just saw I just saw the difference in what it has been over the last six, seven, eight, nine months when I've been driving in and out of London. Where you know I was driving out and maybe past eight, nine, ten cars. Now I'm just you know eight, nine, ten cars. I'm seeing that within the first ten seconds. So oh. so things have definitely changed. When but back to normal. We have to remember what back what normal was before we can actually understand if it is or not. <laughs> yeah, a new normal again. Um, <laughs> Yep, uh, Talking Devils brought to you in association with Classic Football Shirts. Um, they have a, a range of classic shirts and sportswear online and in their physical stores as well, which will be opening. Great. Um, listeners to this podcast can get a 10% discount using TOTD10 at the checkout. And as last week, just want to give a little shout out to the Duncan Edwards Foundation and Museum in Dudley, run by Rose Cook Monk. Um, again, 
just to say what a great job Rose is uh, doing there running the museum. It's a stone's throw from the statue of Duncan in the Dudley Town Centre. And obviously they've been hit hard by the pandemic. They are opening up uh, very soon. And like I keep saying, it's a valuable part of United culture. So um, if you are able, consider supporting the foundation. You just Google Duncan Edwards Foundation and you find all the appropriate places. And uh, um, Paul, strong week for United. We'll start with the win in Granada. Um, clear that Granada set up differently to Sociedad. Um, they weren't going to get cut apart in the, the same way defensively. It was a bit of a mess um, with the referee. Um, United usually do struggle in those kind of games, but they did find a way through. Um, first of all, a good long pass from um, Lindelof to Rashford, which he magnificently controlled, considering sometimes you think his ankles are made of glass at the, m- the minute. Um, the cute finish, obviously, to make it 1-0. Um, like I said, of the referee... Um, he was something else but um, this re- this podcast probably going to be dominated by a lot of VAR and referee talk but um, the Europa League one seemed tame in comparison to what we saw at Spurs uh, loads of yellow cards in, in um, were being handed out all over the place United won't be too unhappy with that because um, a couple of their players are going to basically get a rest um, Shaw and Maguire two players who got basically suspensions now who will be missing on Thursday Solskjaer will probably also be able to afford to put Rashford on the bench because Fernandez scored a late penalty to make it 2-0 now Paul something we've seen oh something I've been saying for a few weeks now um, not really impressive performances to this point um, Spurs is a different thing we'll talk about it in a moment but the Granada one more or less along the same lines it wasn't very impressive but impressive resilience to find a way to get a result when previously you wouldn't have backed United to do that um, what, did, what did you make of that one? Well to be honest really I don't want to linger on this game too much because it wasn't a good game mm. I thought they I thought they were just really seriously poor mm. I expected more um, and it wasn't about United made them look poor I think I think United were kind of in a certain way brought to almost brought to their level in certain ways. I don't know, you talk about the way they set up. I don't know how much they set out to try and win that game. They might have been hoping for nil nil or to look to get an away goal at Old Trafford, but it, there wasn't much intention there. They they didn't really try to progress as a team going forward. Soldado had an opportunity. I think he had something and he turned his back on it. Yeah. You know, I, I was shocked. I was absolutely, literally shocked. I was, you know, disappointed the game. And the only thing that the only thing that come out of it as good is that United had a comfortable, comfortable game in the first leg away in a European tie. That for me, virtually, and you know, you can still can you should never ever say that two 0 you're safe. You're going through, but I cannot see anyhow how Granada can actually get themselves back in this game. It's only if. Oli is maybe trying to rest maybe too many people yeah. and thinking it's done. It's only, well, maybe stupidity as a manager that will, for United to fail, which that isn't going to happen. And, you know, saying that you're on about people, Harry Maguire maybe could do with a game out, really, and it's done him a favour. Clear, it clears him now with yellow cards. Yeah. Luke Shaw doesn't really play a lot of games in certain way. Luke Shaw out of the back gets, gets more rest than anybody. Yeah. Yeah. To be perfectly honest, so it doesn't really affect him. And if I was someone like Luke Shaw, you'd want to keep going and going rather than stopping and starting. To be per- perfectly honest, you'd, you don't want it, what he's got at the moment in time. You don't want it to disappear yeah. on the back of missing games. You want to be playing every single game, 
at, at this moment in time. So, and Oli, obviously, as well, given everything, he wants continuity in that back line. I think he's realised that now. He's got to keep that together as much as possible because that might be the re- one of the reasons why they're doing what they're doing. When things ain't going well, the back line is the one that kind of keeps United in the game. So it's surprising that, isn't it, Paul? I mean, we've, yeah, it's, we've yeah, been I can't believe I can't, I can't believe I've said that, by the way. And <laughs> if, any, if anybody has recorded it, recorded this and wants to play it back, don't play it back in my earshot because I'm gonna, I might just try and deny it. No, but it's fair. I mean, that's one thing I hope that people do get from listening to this podcast that we're not. Um, I, I did it continuously last season when we were talking about Twanzebi and Lindelof. Um, it just he, obviously Ollie liked Lindelof, or he still likes him, and it gives him that chance to play. And if, there's got to be some um, some truth to that that the consistency of the the form is down to the consistency of selection. So, uh, and I think we've said that once or twice, Paul. Is that it doesn't really matter what we think as long as Ollie's got the conviction of what he wants to do do you know what I mean and, he, and we, we back him in that don't we certainly I mean and he, he's certainly done done well with um, when it comes to making those choices yeah we're just another set of people who just have an opinion <laughs> and that's all it is that's all it is really and, but we have to make the decision if you asked us to make the decision then straight away we, we could we couldn't we could be backtracking because mm. you have to live with it and that's what he has to do as a manager so I'm pleased that at this moment in time, I do believe and I think it's been tough this year to understand if I can or not, but I still believe I've got an opinion and no one's going to, and when people question it, they're going to want to debate rather than swear at me or try and kill me. So I'm hoping that when I, when I have said about situations that people have maybe questioned me, but didn't want to call me names because I've just had an opinion, but I am still willing to, I'm still one of those people and it might be with age that does turn you around but sometimes when you get when things turn around and you think and you see say to yourself hold on a minute yeah I've got this a little bit wrong now this is right it is the right decision Lindelof and Maguire are starting to maybe suit each other Bailly was okay in certain games but he was always on the edge of your seat wondering what's going to happen next because he's so rash Two and Zabi had that great game PSG I was very annoyed that he wasn't allowed to carry on from that and play off the back of that yeah. and keep that going such a young boy but then when he does come in for his next two games he was involved in major incidents because of defending where he made mistakes yeah. when he's come in so he's living off the back of that so his next game he comes in he's going to be very mindful of what's happened previously because there's been such a big gap and that's where the problem lies but that's something that he's got to deal with but you look at this moment in time and the back four is is very very strong I looked at Luke Shaw I was devastated in a way for him in a way he was treated by the previous manager and I'm so pleased that he went there yet he went there yesterday and played very very well I'm, I'm sure if, if Jose Mourinho wanted to say look I played the game for him I helped him I don't think he could ever ever claim that because Jose Mourinho was a poor footballer you know, if you remember that incident when he turned around and told the press and they said, oh, that Luke, yeah, yeah. Luke Shaw looked like he played well while he was on my side. I, I played his game for him. Yeah. Absolutely disgraceful that comes that come from a manager. So Luke Shaw has answered the critics in in absolutely the best way possible. I mean, he made a, he made a run back yesterday. I'm sorry I've jumped to the next game. Yeah. 
but he made a recovery run when he outs I'm trying to think who he was up against and he out sprinted Aurier to no, a ball Lucas Lucas was it Lucas yeah, was it yeah, he, Lucas uh, is even quicker than Aurier yeah and he out he sprinted and I turned around because I was doing the radio and I turned around and said if I went back six months Luke Shaw couldn't have done that. Yeah. I said I said, one, he might not have been he might not have felt quick enough to be able to go and do that, but on the other side his mindset would have just said, Oh well. Yeah. You know, but now his desire to defend well and actually actually just have a bit of pride in himself and his game and wanting to go out and prove a point to so many people, play regularly for Manchester United, play for his country, he's doing incredible. His recovery his recovery runs now are far better than what they were before because he's actually running where before they weren't recovery runs because he wasn't trying to run. Yeah, yeah I remember um, it probably was the Spurs game, um, the home one, Remember, um, we were talking oh. about his, his positioning. Did you know, saying how, oh, how poor his positioning was, and you know what? Can well, you him, say? him, him. It was him and Maguire, really. Yeah. I mean, because United start the last started the last game. Um, that six-one game, they started quite well. The sending off happens, and then all of a sudden, end up they totally lost their composure. Totally lost it, and and that's how the game fell apart in certain ways. And they've had to live with that for a long, long time. You know, that one had been thrown up and thrown up, and I'm so pleased in the way that it went about the game yesterday. And let's get back to the European game because I've taken us away from that. So no, I do apologise. No, I think we we like you said we did well to get ten minutes out of the European game. Yeah. You know, that's like ten percent of of the game, and um, they probably didn't warrant that. But yeah, like, let's talk about Spurs. Um, was a pretty eventful game, wasn't it? I mean, United were pretty poor in the first half, but um... I think both. I thought both sides. The, the first half, Wayne. I'm sorry to butt yeah. in, but I thought the first half was about two teams, maybe a little bit about two managers who didn't want to lose. Oh yeah, you, you definitely saw that. I mean, there was definitely that sort of um, yeah. the pragmatic side of. I mean, oh. let, let's let's be right. The two holding midfielders, United probably normally play with that anyway, with the squad that they've got. But definitely in reaction to the six-one, there's a definite pragmatic defence of that defence, which Ollie's done, and he's and he's done it well, and the form's been good. But you could definitely see that first half an hour, it was like we're not going to fall for that again. Um, but yeah, you're probably right. Both teams cancelling each other out because Spurs weren't. Um, it's it's weird to watch Spurs. I mean, don't get me wrong. But obviously, Harry Kane is playing brilliant football. But when he plays in that position, it's weird to see for for me as a as a rival fan. Um, but then you've got that. I mean, it all sparked into life when United did, uh, scored what seemed to be a very good goal. Um, very good feat from Pogba. Excellent finish from Cavani. Um, that gets disallowed. Spurs score, they lead at half time. United's second half performance is um, very good, probably the best for for a number of weeks. Um, really impressive, proactive performances all over the pitch. Um, I thought Cavani in particular, showing the difference good movement from a striker makes. Um, Greenwood very good when he came on, very good. Um, and Pogba having one of his more influential games. Thought Fred had a mixed game, but um, McTominay very good aside him. Oh, it's a lot to unpack, Paul. But for, first of all, the best place is obviously to start with that disallowed goal. Disallowed apparently because McTominay's put his arm out to Son. Um, if that's a foul, 
why is he doing the foul? He's doing it because he's pushing off Son, who's pulled his shirt. <laughs> um, good grief. Talk us through that. I mean, we, we had a little interchange on Twitter about it, you know, uh, but t- talk us through what you, you made of that. Well, well, just just before that, I, w- I would come out and say that game, when we talk about this game's going to be one in midfield, that first half was all about midfield. It mm. was so congested. Everyone in there, Jose Mourinho was block, 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 stop Fernandes, stop Pogba, stop them getting time in the ball. It wasn't about Spurs expressing themselves. Harry Kane went in that midfield as well and just got in his teammates' way. Um, Endombele was... He's a good player, but it's not allowed to play because Mourinho doesn't allow him to play. Hoybier, decent footballer, decent holding player. Very much, he's a bit of a leader in there. He, he way governs things, very good at what he does. He's not allowed to do what he wants to do. Spurs are, are a very much restricted team. But in theory, I'm saying that, and there's a lot of Manchester United fans who go, but we know that already, Paul, because he was our manager. So I'm just not letting them forget that, really, that that's what he does to the team. He's, he's restricted another good footballing team, a club with history of playing great football with great players. He has absolutely quelled the flow of their football by what he wants to do for himself. So, but anyway... You see, you, you see that United get get an opportunity to pass the ball. They create a bit of space, and McTominay comes away from from Sun Sun, and and as he's running away, and what happens? And someone's got to tell this to the people, as I always keep saying, the broom cupboard near the airport, is that what what happens is when you run, is that your, your momentum as you try to thrust forward, you push your arms back. And then one comes up and the other one goes back as well. So when you watch the Olympics and you watch a sprinter, 100 metres, you will see that happen. It's like watching a high jumper. When when they go to jump, the first thing they do is they throw their arms up in a direct, meaning they want to gain height. And that's what happens. So Scott McTominay, as he's coming away from um, Sun, who's trying his best to affect him get going away from the ball he's pulled he's pushed his arm back to thrust forward to drive into an area of the park yeah. and that's what happened then son and this new this new this new craze in professional football I don't know it could have been there this new craze it could have been there but we never heard it because there was people in the stadium players want to scream yeah they're, they're footballers and I want to listen to, I want to go, I'll now, I'm going to listen and watch my first rugby game to, to see if I can hear every time a player's tackled in rugby, if he screams. I'm going to come out and say now they don't scream. It's their form of saying we're going to manipulate the referee because if we scream, yeah. the ref, it's, going to, it's going to grab attention. And then if, we, and if it doesn't go away, if anything happens, the worst happens after it, like the team scores a goal, if I roll around on the floor after for long enough, and, and straight away the, the person who is the commentator goes, oh, I don't think that VAR are going to look at it, as they do because that's what they're there for. They seem to be told that by their producers. Straight away they're going to look at it and then bring it back so many passes. Forget about the three, four, five, six touches after that incident. Forget about that. Then as the referee points at the centre circle and then he gets crowded round by Tottenham players, all, all in their minds going, son, you weak little boy. They're going in their mind, oh, referee, 
Scott McTominay brought out a truncheon and he hit him in the face with it and he's, he's cut his head wide open. Can't you see the blood? VAR should have a look at that. Yeah. And that's exactly what happens. But the referee's given the goal. So the referee's being told by them when it, was, it wasn't clear and obvious, by the way. Yeah. There's nothing clear and obvious about it. And then it goes to them and they say, oh, we think that you should look at it. The referee should have gone... It was fine with, it was fine. The referee should have gone, it was fine by me, nothing to look at. He makes a massive point of having to go and look at it. And you think, okay, you see it. But someone, they must have said to him, oh, Scott McTominay could have meant to hit him in the face without looking back because Scott McTominay has got eyes in the back of his head, by the way. Do you know that? The boy from Lancaster. <laughs> He's, and he's, he's, he's switched back, meaning to hit him in the head as he's going forward, attacking the goal, trying to, make, trying to get an assist for a goal. So instead of being a strong referee, he decides, let's go, let's go, I better go with the firm. If I don't go with the firm, they might just extradite me. I, so, it's incredible, that decision, Paul. It's incredible. Yeah. It, if you're going to go back and watch it, at what point are you looking at that and thinking that McTominay's not being fouled by Son? I yeah. don't. I don't think it was a foul, by the way, by Son. But if if either of them was a foul, it was him pulling him. I yeah, but you know, but the referee should have been six or one, six or one, half a dozen exactly. the other. And the referee didn't saw that, and he thought, "No, nah, let it go. I just, I'm not even going to bother move my arms to say I'm letting it go. I'm just going to let it go on and let it roll." There wasn't any Spurs player who stopped. They all carried on. They couldn't. They they couldn't have stopped anyway because that the, the move was was fantastic. The pass. The movement of Cavani, the finish was excellent. It was a dream goal. It's the kind of goal that you'd play back and show kids before they go out and do a training session. This is what you're going to work on today. That's, it was that kind of goal. And it gets taken away and wiped from, trying to wipe it from people's memories by poor people who, who want to control, who think they've got control of a football match from so many miles away. A referee who is weak. And he's just more concerned about staying within the establishment rather than actually being his own man. So the game, the game has to be given back to referees and referees live and die by their mistakes. Before, we used to go into pubs, bars, anywhere, and we used to question the referee. And we knew, it, at the end of the day, we know human error. Does a referee 100% mean to make a mistake? No. Does he see everything? No. And it is about spotting something. Bring it to his attention and he's supposed to look at it and go, that didn't affect what's happened next. It was, yes, it was. He's, he's caught him in the face. It's a contact spool. That's been going on for years because we will see that. We'll see something like that tonight. We'll see it in the Champions League. We'll see it in the Europa League. We will see it in the next Premier League weekend of games as well. And referees will not, if it goes on and someone six, seven passes later scores a goal, then honestly the game's got a problem because all players are doing now, the moment they have any kind of contact, they are lying on the floor. They're demanding that VAR looks at something and they're hoping that the referee stops that sequence of play for them to be able to get up and go, oh, I'm okay and get back in position. And where football at one point was all about giving people goals. People want to see goals. They want to see goals and this at the moment in time, using this VAR and the people who are running this VAR, because it's still human error, by the way, is that they're stopping the main priority of football 
and for the people out there, which is supposed to be entertainment and seeing goals. Goals is the entertainment of a lifetime for football fans. And they're killing it, by the way, by, the, by what they're doing in stopping it. Stop the big things. Stop people cheating. Stop serious injuries. But when, uh, when a man gets us, catches a fingernail or catches a little finger in the face and he wants to go down, I would, in theory, go back and book that player. Yeah and say to him, man up. And the referee then walks into the office on Monday morning and someone says to him, why'd you do that for? He goes, I'm fed up of these players trying to affect my job, making, me, making my job hard for me every single weekend by cheating, by trying to manipulate me and manipulate you in the offices. It has to stop. Someone's got to stand up and say it and still no one will. No one will come out and say it. You see players go around it and make, make excuses for it, like I see afterwards on TV when I, when I get home and I'm, I'm listening to people on there and they're making... No one comes out and say it's not simulation or anything anymore. It's out and out. Because they've got a focal point to head for now, a direction to go to now to get an advantage, it is absolute cheating because you know what you're doing. Yeah. Um, before we start... Um, we'll talk about the second half performance in a second but let's just finish on this uh, Sun stuff because mm. obviously it rippled into the aftermath of the game, Solskjaer came out and he said um, basically said if that, <laughs> if that was yeah. my son and he stays down and he needs his mates to help him up he doesn't get food because that's embarrassing now yeah. as far oh. as I, when I heard that I just thought it's a flippant comment, he's just joking he's just sort of saying a joke thing but what he's, he's trying to just say that it's ridiculous what he's done which is yeah, right correct and then Mourinho comes out oh I heard it I heard it accused him of like I don't know like disrespecting third world famine or something it's just it, the way that Mourinho elevated it he started saying things like oh he's lucky that his father's a better person than Ollie and you've always got to feed your kids he's completely missed the point He's, he's, and by the way, he's not only completely missed the point; he's deliberately done that. And it's pathetic. It's pathetic to just pretend that you don't understand what Solskjaer's saying to try and make him look like he's having a dig at his son and his dad. Hmm. I, I've hmm. never that it's low. That I mean, Mourinho's done a lot of low things, and I've, I've you know, we've had these conversations before. I, I didn't particularly dislike him before. And I'll always judge someone on the individual circumstances of every individual interaction. And that, Paul, I mean, I know that you're not a big fan of Mourinho anyway, but I mean, even for Mourinho, where do you stand? I mean, do you, do you agree with me on that? Do you think that Solskjaer was right in... I mean, he's only making a flippant point. He's not, he's not saying that son was raised poorly by his parents. He, he's really not saying that, is it? He's, he's pathetic. No. It was, it was pathetic. And I would have come out and said, if, if my boy had gone down and screamed like that, mm. I would have told it, I would have, dra- I would have said to the manager, bring him off. Mm. I would have asked for him to come off. I would have been embarrassed if my kid had gone down like that and screamed like that and stayed down and got up because he's, he take, he's taken that round the face. You know, if it, if it had been a punch, you think, okay. But it wasn't. It was an arm flip back. It was absolutely horrendous how he how he conducted himself. And but Mourinho, I sat there and I looked at the I looked at the telly and heard him come out of that and um, the bread bread and cheese or saying in thing Bob we say bread is bread and cheese is cheese. I'm kind of looking now. I'm looking for someone to explain that to me. And honestly, I fl- I turn the telly off because 
I can't stand to look at him because of the, the, what comes out of his mouth. And he should, be t- he should be there talking about his team's performance, yeah. how his team in that first half, ne- they never do- they never done enough. And he got, he's got to explain why they didn't do enough. And then in the second half, he's got to ask a question again. How many points have they lost from winning positions this season? Spurs. We're talking about Spurs, by the way. We're not talking about a lesser t- a team. We're talking about a team that considers themselves a top six team who, should, they sh- who talk about being regularly in the Champions League as they were under Pochettino. And we're seeing a team that keeps going in front. And as they've done at Newcastle, and they got outplayed by Newcastle, to, and they nicked a 1-1 draw at St. James's Park. And I'm there on the radio, and I'm saying to myself, United have... Ollie's just got to not go in there. He's got to go in that dressing room, and he's got to say to them, leave the referee alone. Don't get emotional about the situation. Just this team are going to allow you to play. They're going to try and sit back on what they've got. They're not going to come out and going to go, going to go for a second. They're going to sit back. Harry Kane wanted to be a midfield player. You go, great. Didn't want to get up against Maguire or anything like that. And get in areas where he could actually... Only once did he nearly get on his shoulder and Harry Maguire gave a foul away. But he nearly got caught out. But... And talk about that, their second half performance. How, how did they get beaten like that after, you know, being one nil up? Why were they so negative? Why did you make Endombele? Take off Endombele, I think it was, and you bring on Sissoko. If he said, hold a minute, that, that's, if you'd brought on Lamella as your first substitution, you would have kind of gone, well, yeah, that's, that's positive. But it wasn't. It was, a, it was a kind of, not even a like for like. It was someone who could, who's a good athlete and he knows he can get up and down. But it was an absolutely incredible substitution. And this is me, I'm saying this I'm, as a Closet Spurs fan, you know. But it was just absolutely, it's, it's destroyed... The, the foot, he's destroying the football heritage of a great footballing club by the way he wants to play and then all he's bothered about is all, he, all he's done all, ever since he's come here he's always made sure that he doesn't get beaten by his old teams gets very personal and he turned that game personal just from the first moment the little bits were going on you're seeing good footballers like Lo Celso good footballer but wants to go around being angry a bit like he done to um, Herrera and, uh, and, uh, um, and uh, Herrera suddenly was a good footballer all of a sudden comes on Mourinho and he's going around being like a little lieutenant of being nasty diving all over the floor trying to gain fouls by screaming and throwing himself to the floor and, and you think so what happened to the footballer that come from Atletico Bilbao yeah. and he's done this at Lo Celso is like that as well now he's doing that all of a sudden Sonny's going around doing you think so but you, you, you're a good footballer. Everybody in the Premier League wants you in their team. Because not only have you got an incredible work rate, you're, you're a good footballer. You're the best Asian footballer to play in the Premier League by a long, long way, by everything you do. But you're being dragged into something that you're not enjoying, but you feel you have to do it. So it's, it's a worry. Mourinho, for me, is a worry. He's a serious worry in our football. By, and people, I, I don't understand why Tottenham put him on that big wage and brought him there. Do they bring him there to win a trophy? Yeah. Maybe. They need a trophy. But are they going to win that, win that against Man City? Odds are, against, odds are against them to a point. It's a difficult one. But would it make any difference if they did win it, given how their season's been? The one thing that Levy cries out for, given what's happened as well in his last 12 months or so, Champions League football. 
Yeah. It's imperative. The club was built around it. The stadium has been built around it, off the back of it, whatever you want to say. Even with all that, I mean, maybe even because of all that, it made United's um, performance even better. Because, I mean, they could have got really riled and, and dragged into something that wasn't a football match. That's right. Great great control. Great The way they've done it, kept their emotions within and if they did it if they did actually use their emotions they used it in a positive way yeah they were very good weren't they in second half that, some of that football was very um, I mean we've criticised McTominay and Fred in the past for, for uh, perhaps their on ball ability isn't great and Fred I, I, like I said earlier I think Fred had a mixed game but I thought McTominay was very good because it was the movement of the, the front three like Pogba um, Cavani and Greenwood when he came on Oh, it was a joy to watch sometimes, wasn't it? it? It was. It was really, really good. The second half performance was United have gone behind in games. We've seen away from home, they've gone behind. And then they've come back and everyone's gone great, great comeback. But they were, they were against teams and you're kind of going, you should never be in this position. But in that game, you looked at it and you thought, to yourself, they're up against a big, you know, up against a top side here. A top club, mm. I should say, not a side, a top club. And they've come back, but they've come back in a way that was patient. They kept everything going well. They weren't chasing it. And they got what they deserved. And the 3-1 free, free scoreline was about right, really. They shouldn't have just been getting over the line. They completely dominated that second half by sheer perseverance. They never allowed, even if Tottenham did try something, in the end, Mourinho tried to chase it at the end, late again by bringing on Bell. And it was it was all too late with Bell, all too late, and that says a lot about what's going on now when he brings on Bell with five six minutes to go. So it's just everything's wrong on their part, but take nothing away from United as a team going forward, but then not leaving themselves open. Everything was still structured. It was it was it was it was it was really really good to watch that 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 forty minutes that I'm going to say forty minutes was really good to watch in that second half. Yeah, it, it was. And do you know what the um, the thing that I take away from this? And I don't want people to think that I'm being negative because I, I've looked at that. and I see the same as you. That second half in particular was the best that we've played since City, obviously, but also um, some of the best football we've, we've played for this side of Christmas. But I look at the good parts of it. I look at the likes of Lindelof and I look at Cavani and even Fernandes. Maybe I'm being doing um, Cavani a disservice with this. But what I'm saying is, these aren't the best players in the world. Fernandes isn't the best number 10 in the world. But when you do have an upgrade in there, you have someone like Cavani. Cavani's not the best number 9 in the world. Some people might say he's one of the best number nines in the world, but the point is that you could go out and upgrade on Cavani. United have the resources to do that. They don't have to be so reliant. They don't have to go out and get the best. Do you know what I'm saying? Like so, but when you see how much of an upgrade that Cavani's kind of centre forward play was on on what we've seen from Martial, it's enough to make you think that if Solskjaer gets back and he's obviously identifying the right place to to come in, it shouldn't be that difficult to improve, should it? No, no, it, sh- it shouldn't be. You can see when it goes well, you can see how right it is with Cavani in there in that movement. Now he's getting his games under his belts. When he first came back after his injury, yeah. there was you looking there, you think so, oh no, this ain't gonna, be, this ain't right. People were relate, was suddenly starting to go, oh, he's another Falcao, you know. Yeah. But he's he's a completely different player to Falcao. Completely different. He he, he can, you know, he wants to play in most areas. But the one thing he knows, 
is to get around that box and to move, not just to stand in the middle, to make angle runs, to take people away from areas so other people can go into those areas. It's called being unselfish. It's called wanting to, wanting to work hard, but not, not just to help me, but to help others as well. Yeah, to win and, the and, game. Yeah, yeah and, that, and that's what he's done. I thought, on the game management side, I thought Paul Pogba was excellent. Yeah. When he suddenly decided to go into that left-hand side, at one point, I think of it, if there was a three-minute span, Paul Pogba had the ball for two minutes. <laughs> in, inside that last ten minutes, he took the ball yeah. and they kept the ball. He did it himself. He, and, he, and then he snapped it and then he gave it to someone else. He lent it, I should say. Then he got it back again. And for me, that sums up Spurs. And in that moment there, Paul Pogba's been a little bit arrogant in a good way because of the position that Manchester United are in. But not one Spurs player went in there, and I'm going to use this word and mean it in the right way, tried to do him. Yeah. They didn't get angry, didn't try and kick him or anything. And for me, that tells me that there's a little bit of discontent there that isn't right. Not one of them. They, just, they, was, they seemed like they were respecting him for what he was doing. And there's nothing wrong with that. But at the end of the day, you want to, win, you want to get something from a game. You want the ball. You want you want you want to make something happen, and they wasn't they wasn't doing that Spurs. It, it, it did. I don't think they they got to the levels of where Mourinho wanted to be of them snapping and being nasty and affecting getting in people's heads. That's what his teams done. His teams done. Chelsea done that. They're they're little players who went around giving away niggly little fouls all the time. So um, so. I really don't know what happened to them, but Paul Pogba was excellent in that last 15 minutes of play. What he, what he done with yeah. with and without the ball was was brilliant. Yeah, um, Granada, the return. It's a game where you, I mean you summed it up earlier, didn't you? Really, that um, they've got the opportunity now to rest players. Obviously, McTominay suspended as well, so there's a few players there that are already suspended and will be missing. You would think that Rashford will get the night off. Um, how many more after that, Paul? How many more safe? You're going to have Rashford on the on the bench in case of um, in case of needing him. But I mean, it's such a tall ask for them to. They've got to score three away goals um, to to knock us out. Um, well, you don't even, be honest. Really, you don't even want them to score two. To be honest, and put yourself in that position. Yeah. With, without maybe your key players as such there. Um, you look. You wonder what he's going to do at centre half. Who is he going to put in there at centre half? He, need, he needs a cool head you know you can talk about by but you know it'd be interesting how Lindelof does he step forward and suddenly show a little bit more when Harry Maguire's not there yeah. you know but he, as much as possible he's got to keep the same structure there he got, you know he needs Fernandes on the pitch without a doubt don't even think about resting him and things like that if he's going to do anything as well I think he's got to maybe look at bringing in Van der Beek yeah. bring him in and give him the opportunity to play with Fernandez and Pogba. You're still getting work rate in now. It's a European game. It's, it's going it's to be. It's going to suit him. So you give it. You give him the opportunity against a team that wants to be going forwards. That means there's going to be holes to exploit. Yeah. If, if they're any, if they're, if they're that kind of side, they're going to have to gamble a little bit, especially early. Especially early. I think early on, they're going to want to try and get something. If they can go and score, as you know, if go early, then they think to themselves that will mentally affect them, and they can maybe go from there. But he's getting, you know, that's what I look at. What maybe he 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 could be doing by giving him a run in there now, in there. If McTominay's not playing, he's got play him with Fred 
in you know him and Fred and go from there. And you've got someone who's sitting that little bit deeper who's going to be better with the ball. Yeah, it's it's a it's a thing where you look at it and you think, well, all right, we've got a two 0 lead, but it is a European quarter final nonetheless, and we can make five changes. So you might as well just start with the players to get it through to like maybe 55, 60 minutes and then make the wholesale, haven't you? That's probably the best way, safest way of doing it. Oh, yeah. He's got, I think he's got to make sure, you know, that he gets it right first before he goes and makes any any big changes. He's got to get the job done and feel comfortable that the job is done rather than make changes now because if they don't get in the right mode early on and players are in there who haven't played for a long period of time, that means they're a little bit ring rusty. And if it ain't going right for them initially from the start, mentally it could affect them when they make a mistake or they go and they, they might suddenly go and score early and they haven't been around for a while, those players, in that kind of situation. All of a sudden it gets a little bit panicky, so he has to be careful how he goes about it. The tie's not over, as the saying goes. You know, mm. It's only half-time. And teams can sometimes... 2-0 is a dangerous scoreline at half-time, isn't it, as it goes? Yeah. Um, Burnley at home... Um Good time to play them, Paul, or a bad time? Considering they lost against Newcastle, it's going to make them more resolute to pack the defence and try and get a result against United. And, and they've done it all, Trafford, in the past. So um, it's kind of like the, the worst opponent, but possibly a good time to play them. Well, I don't think anyone's going to forget about Sheffield United, are they? Given how things are with Sheffield United yeah. and how they go in this moment in time, it's making it look even worse, isn't it? Especially as Arsenal went and outplayed them with with like a resting quite a few players as well. They, you know, totally outplayed them last night. So you, you, I think that a lot of players will remember that. I think you look at it as well. Is that Burnley? Burnley were two 0 up against Southampton. Bang, they lost. They were one 0 up. Against Newcastle, bang, they lost. They're they're on the low, you know. When they've affected me twice in my predictions, by the way, that's mostly why I got the ump of them. <laughs> but you know, you, yeah, you'd expect them to be bouncing back, but I would expect United to be beat to be beating them comfortably. Yeah. To be perfectly honest, as much they're safe. That's the one thing they are safe already. That little bit they had, that run that they had, as sudden as they've got to where they needed to be, and it seems like they've taken their foot off the gas. Again, they've got, in, got themselves, and they've looked well when they've gone in front against Southampton. They look well against Newcastle. They look well, I mean, lo and behold, they end up. Um, Steve Brucey makes a couple of makes a couple of substitution, and bang, you know, he's got his own Taori ty- Mark II, isn't he? Hmm. In Max, Max, is it Maximum? Maximin? Yes. Yeah, he comes. Yeah. yeah, he comes in, comes on a sub and changes the game, assist and a goal. So. Now Burnley, yes, we know Burnley have, have come to Old Trafford and won over over the over the period of time since Sir Alex has, um, has since he's left the club. But given what they're at the moment, I'm sure there's big lessons learned off the pitch and on the pitch about the Sheffield United game. Yeah, and it is one of those because it is Burnley, a team who've got a good record at Old Trafford in recent years that. This is one of those tests for the current players, isn't it? To sort of say, no, we can still, we can still do it. I mean, I, I still stand by what I said maybe three or four weeks ago that I think that we're still in an audition period, like a new audition period for these players to sort of say we can be relied upon um, for for next season. Because obviously, um, obviously there needs to be improvement. But um, what can you do when United are playing well? It's a, it's a good thing at the moment, and, and those players are standing up. Uh, many of them are standing up. So 
Um, fair play to them for that. Um, and fair play to Ollie as well, like we said right at the start of this, um, for that sort of consistency of selection and the conviction of his own opinion, because um, one thing we'll definitely support is Ollie on that and happy to be proven wrong if, if we continue to be... Um, that win against Spurs puts us in a really strong position in second and um, hopefully that's where we'll finish and if one talk about a late push for the title I don't I think City's was a bit of a hiccup so um, yeah um, that, that's it for this week guys really um, appreciate you listening as always uh, if you enjoyed the podcast please uh, give us a nice review or rating on Apple Podcasts and um, remember TOTD10 for a 10% discount with classic football shirts um, at, use it at their checkout um, if you want to take advantage of that and um, we'll be back next week stay safe, stay well and thanks for listening Away days are great but there's nothing quite like playing at home the same goes for McDonald's maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery order now on the McDonald's app at participating restaurants 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply see mcdonalds.com ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better well hello fresh is your guilt-free dream come true baby it's me geeky palmer let's wake up those taste buds with hot juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi mm. hello fresh Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.